Welcome to the God Academy podcast. Hi, everybody. Hello, John Taggart. How are you doing? Hi, Gil. I am very well. How are you? Oh, welcome to the podcast again, though Thank nobody you. knows that it's your second time here. Yeah. Only we know it. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to be here again. We had, a, we had a recording snafu the last time, but it's all for the best because now we have an even better topic. Yeah, this conversation is going to be even better than before. New and improved. My name is John, obviously, and I have a, an undergraduate degree from the University of Glasgow in film and television studies. So I've done a lot of critical analysis mm-hmm. in film and TV, um, and I'm doing a master's in uh, film, TV and media studies at the moment at um, QUT in Brisbane, in Queensland. Brisbane. So, um, yeah, I've been a little bit of a, you know, academic pop culture head for a while, but it's, uh, it's nice to get the chance to express it. Yeah, you. yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, and and you're a patron, and I'm and, a patron uh, as well. Yes, of course. Yes, so thank you for being a patron of God Academy, and uh, patrons uh, can come over the podcast uh, if they have cool ideas and something uh, to talk about, and definitely should do that. They should do that. They Absolutely. should, and we've had a lot of interesting patrons that talk about Harry Potter and Game of Thrones and Mind Hunter and all kinds of stuff. And linguistics, is, uh, linguistics. Yeah, this is. This is a, a great way to learn and to get to know people from uh, all over the world with all kinds of uh, different uh, backgrounds and uh, point of views. This is uh, this is the best thing. This is the best thing about uh, Got Academy. And it's a lovely community, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Today we're going to talk about Game of Thrones. We're going to talk about how Game of Thrones portrays LGBTQs. Yeah, and I would say. Um, very poorly <laughs> I um, I would, was just taking some notes and I was watching some old YouTube clips of um, Game of Thrones uh, same sex attracted people and characters um, just before we started recording and when you watch them all in really close proximity it seems to me that a lot of the representation of same sex attracted characters trades in very worn stereotypes and not in one or two examples but consistently and this is true for the show and the books or do you differentiate i differentiate very strongly i think that's not true in the books at all um in fact i think that the representation so so you are saying that dan and dave are using tropes and cliches and are not did not write nuanced characters shocking how dare you how dare you you have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. You want a good girl, but you need a bad pussy. It is, it is a really <laughs> controversial hypothesis that Dan and Dave may have, you know, in this one single element, yeah. like yeah, not, yeah, not yeah, quite yeah. met expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah let's isolate it from uh, <laughs> everything else. Yes. Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so so tropes. Let's start with uh, like the first two gay characters, Laura Tyrell. Yeah, so I think Laura and uh, Baratheon. Uh, Renly, I forgot it. Renly, Renly. So I think it's interesting that you asked about the books because I think a lot of the nuance that exists in the books in terms of exploring same-sex attracted characters and their existence in a medieval world, even a fantasy world is completely lost mm-hmm. in the uh, transition to screen. And I think there are a few different reasons for that, which I'll come on to. But 
to take Loris as an example, in the books, he is not the heir to Highgarden. He has uh, two older brothers. And although it's heavily implied that he is in a sexual relationship with Renly, um, yeah. th- that's not made explicit in the books. Um, yeah, not at all. But, it's, but it, you can definitely glean that it is the case. But in addition to that sexual relationship, he is a very established warrior. He's quite hot-headed. Um, and obviously the Tyrells uh, sort mm. of represent, as we were talking about last time, they represent France. So they represent um, uh, very fertile lands and uh, very forward-thinking fashions mm. and a very war- warm climate. Yeah, refined uh, taste. Absolutely. But medieval France was also quite a uh, for foreboding war machine. You know, it had a strong military um, and so did the Tyrells, so does Highgarden. But in the show, because Loris is a same-sex attracted character, therefore the entire house and their military prowess seems to rest on him and he is a weak, ineffectual, for want of a less politically correct term, like really pansy-ish stereotype. Loris Tyrell, he's prettier than the Queen. I don't care about pretty, he's better with a sword than any of them. How good could he be? He's been stabbing Renly Baratheon for years and Renly ain't dead. (laughs) (laughs) Particularly once it starts to go off book. So in season one, when he ha- is in the tournament with uh, yeah. with the mountain, and it is um, very analogous with the first book, A Game of Thrones, it that's great. But then the first time you really get a, an insight into Loras's sexuality outside of his relationship with Renly after Renly dies is when he is um, talking to Sansa about their upcoming marriage, and he starts talking about their wedding. And how he's always dreamed of a big wedding with, you know, lots of costumes and lots of musicians and lots of tournaments and tourneys. Oh, and of course, the bride. And she and she uh, compliments him on the pin that he's wearing. And he says, oh, it's not a pin. It's a brooch. And <laughs> just the way that this series has leaned into our contemporary understanding of the performativity of a of a current yeah. gay man uh, who is enacting his sexuality in really effect ways that are quite disconnected from his warrior self in the books, um, and also yeah. our our way of coding him as queer without having a same sex attracted uh, scene explicitly happening, even though we've already seen that, so we already know that he's gay. We know that he's a gay character, so we don't have to have like such a a, a lazy yeah. representation yeah. of him being Heavy-handed. gay. Absolutely. And then it, they do the same thing later on. I think the, one of the worst examples of it is when he's in the dungeon um, and Marjorie goes to see him and she says, you know, I will get you out. They want me to rat on you, basically. They want me to to turn against you and we won't let them win. And he says, oh, please, please, just let them win. Let them do anything they want. Just make it stop. And she, that's... That moment is when Marjorie decides that she's going to collude with the Sparrows instead of be in conflict with them because she sees Loras suffering and in so much pain. And I like that 
that the Tyrells are predominantly organized by the women. I think that's a cool um, and very sort of different approach that that matriarchal power structure and dynamic within their house. And I even like that it's at the expense of a man. I'm like, well, that's cool. Like, you know, you you can subvert that and you can make, you know, so they make Mace Terrell the idiot so that Elena can um, take political control of the house, even discreetly. Yeah. But to do it at the expense of a gay man when there are so few gay representation in the show, it just leans again into this idea that he is a weak, simpering fool to make marjorie the hero he has to be the pansy and that is really problematic i think you're getting me annoyed it reminds me so in the books the the last that we know about him is he goes to dragonstone and you mentioned he was a hothead and he's, he's like he's very severely injured and it says that he was too eager to fight went ahead of his uh of his army in dragonstone and that's why he got hurt and that's uh, it's really hard to imagine anything like that happening with show uh, loras who yeah who's not is not that tough and that, i want to i want to co- go back to what you said earlier that this gay person he, he lives in, in in the equivalent of the 1400s so gay people back then were not like gay people now because people were different culture were different in many many ways and it's just weird to put uh, to just it's uh, very anachronistic to to use our contemporary present and and just force that into the past no matter how it is even if it's just like i don't know it doesn't it can apply to feminism or whatever it's uh yeah, a hundred percent wrong. Also, I I could not agree more. Um, I think there was what people don't really understand, and what the show is. I understand, you know, Game of Thrones is not a historical documentary, but there was no such thing as being gay. So if you and I'm not saying that there weren't same sex attracted people, but you know, as a as a concept mm. in our understanding of being gay as an identity yeah. that didn't exist, a community like the gay community, yes, whatever. Exactly, and so people who engaged in extramarital relations or non-procreative sex within marriage, such as oral sex between a man and a woman or anal sex between a man and a woman or any sex between a man and a woman that was outside of marriage was as sinful and frowned upon as same-sex sex sex. because all of it was not not for the purpose of procreation. It was all sinful because it was all recreational lust. And so the idea that Loris would somehow be singled out by the sparrows who would just go after um, the gay community and even Elena calls him a sword swallower through and through. I'm like, no, there is no such thing as a sword swallower. He would still have married a woman and he'd still have had children, even if he was what we today would understand as a gay man, because there's no such thing. I read this really, I'm going to read it actually. I read this really amazing thing earlier about the sparrows um, and I thought, here it is. Uh, I have a sneaking suspicion that part of what prompted Loris's arrest is lazy shorthand writing. In the books, the Sparrow Movement is a rather complex populist crusade. They're motivated by the impact that the War of the Five Kings has had on the civilian population, so they flood into King's Landing um, and demand that the king will uphold his part of the social contract 
by sending men to end the banditry devastating the countryside or take up arms through the faith militant. They're also primarily focused on ending corruption within the church. If they do have a social agenda, it's tertiary and aimed at women and not gay men. That's why Marjorie gets arrested. But HBO's audience isn't familiar with a religious social movement emerging from the left rather than from the right. Um, and so yeah, if, boom. If it, that's exactly what I thought. So it's like, so if that same audience doesn't have con- context for conflicts between church and state uh, to do with military and judicial power, then they'll make it about culture wars like abortion, evolution, and gay marriage. And I was yeah, like, that's yeah, exactly yeah. right. It's all about pandering yeah, to today's audience. People to hate the high sparrow. Because they thought he was whatever Hamas or or whatever a, a crazy U.S. pet pastor yeah, or whatever it is, and that wasn't that wasn't the case. There was no way, other way, to organize people under uh, uh, certain like whatever social ideas of uh, I don't know political ideas of change, either than religion. What what else could they do? What else do you want to do? Whatever to to create to be. Liberals in, I don't know, 600 years ago before anybody invented the liberalism. That's right. And I think it was a major mixture of things like, yes, the Sparrows are, you know, analogous with like Catholic Inquisitions. But first of all, they aged up Marjorie. So she slept with Tom and so the whole her hymen um she's a cheater situation couldn't work because she wasn't a virgin. She uh, also they'd done away with the older um heirs to high garden so they had to find a way to get marjorie arrested and bring loris back and uh, and then the final thing was obviously the sparrows um being part of a current liberal social agenda on screen so with all of that in play i think loris just became one-dimensional fodder for the show and yeah to and, and worse yeah. than that he just became a weak imbecilic nothing and it's interesting you said before about um you know him him fighting because the oldest in the books the oldest uh terrell brother willis he's the one who has been crippled in youth so he turns to books rather than swords because he can't really fight very well because he's crippled um and elena says um he's the only one of the terrells who doesn't just want to beat each other with sticks but elena in the show says that did we fight well As well as could be expected. It was never our forte. Golden roses, indeed. The Tyrells never were much good at fighting. That's why they lost in season seven against the Lannisters. And I was like, Mm. nope, you all fight all the time. Just because you're gay doesn't mean that you can't have military prowess. It's like she literally says the exact opposite of what Bukalena says. And it's it's all because Loras is gay. So they've just made the whole house, you know, uh... Uh, a military failure because yeah. Loris is, is like 1980s uh, perception of uh, of uh, being gay. This is really, this is really silly. Yeah, it's like you would have a show now on ancient Greece, and you would portray uh, people there having same sex, whatever attraction, as being effeminate necessarily and weak, even though that was totally different back then. Yep, and then. The other example that I have um, on, in that same vein is Yara. So in the books, Asha is straight. But in the show, because it, mm. you know the books say that Yara, Asha, has something of a, a swagger to her and is quite masculine in our understandings of gender norms. So she has to be a lesbian. And, and she has, like, the way that Yara's 
sexuality is represented is just as problematic as Loris is. So because she's a, a masculine woman, she must be attracted to women. And then there are lots of instances, for example, when she's in the brothel with um, Theon and she says, oh, I'm going to fuck the tits off that one. And yeah. it's clearly, you know, like a man writing a lesbian. Like that's, yeah. that is what it is. But there are ways that you can read that as well. You know, Yara's trying to fit into the culture of the men that have raised her and the the ironborn aggression because that's you know who she is she wants to be the leader of the ironborn and she's used to women being um used i guess but also it's putting this like these toxic masculinity words into the mouths of of women and then there are some other examples as well like when she sleeps with um or she's going to sleep with alaria and they come up with this horrible dialogue about entering a port or like a foreign invasion or something and it was just yuck i was like anytime when same-sex attraction is represented in game of thrones it is so hyper sexualized and it also leans right into gender stereotype tropes in every instance Uh i thought okay so so uh, totally agree so a few things about that so first of all i thought you were you were being very generous when you offered a different explanation that uh, maybe she was trying to fit in and stuff okay if that was it then show us that that it's all bravado but maybe whatever have her show it in her face or whatever hint at that it wasn't that uh, that at all she was just like a like a stereotypical male sailor, sailor, how they would portray it. Yeah, that's right. And and it, and another thing that uh, uh, when we were preparing uh, Noga and I, one of the final videos of the season uh, to psychoanalyze Dan and Dave, we watched a bunch of uh, interviews with them. And I was shocked, shocked to hear them say in one of the interviews that they know nothing about politics they are not interested in politics and the way that they portrayed politics they were they, they were saying that they are annoyed with famous people speaking their mind about politics because nobody is interested in what they have to say and i was thinking like do you know that the person that you are <laughs> who wrote the story that you are now turning into a tv show he's exactly that guy he's exactly that kind of person who speaks his mind about politics all the time and people are interested in what he has to say. And just because you two don't have anything of value to add to a political conversation, they were just like shitting all over the very idea that a citizen of a country of the world ha- uh, uh, would, uh, uh, his or her opinions would be interested just because they're famous. So it's just annoying. It's just annoying if they're famous, then nobody wants to hear what they have to say. And uh, this was just like so simply, I was like, this is what you, this is how you look at politics. And they know nothing about politics. And this is a political story. Political, you know, like the big, uh, whatever, capital P, not just like partisan and stuff. Like how, like the treatment of women, portrayal of women, of gays, of power structures within the society, 1%, 99%, all that. And they just, they thought that this was a story about characters. 
This is how they approach it. This is a story about characters. What are the characters going to do? When they were thanking George when they were winning their Emmys, they were saying, thank you, George, for inventing these characters that we are just uh, playing around with. It's not, it's, it's not a story about characters. This is the world. This is the entire world, a society, a, a bunch of societies uh, that is just like the most political story that you could ever come up with. This is just like through and through. So even, I think the, uh, even the magic is used uh, politically. Go ahead. I think the problem with that is that that even that mindset implies. Okay, sorry, just to finish off my point. Sorry. Yeah, to yeah. My point. So, so this is why whenever they walk into a political situation, if it's not written clearly, they just lean into the stereotypes. Women are used uh, as whatever, as something for, for the male characters to develop. Uh, 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 gay people are used uh, for to, uh, to show us something, uh, I don't know, just like a blanket statement about gays are this, whether it's lesbians or, uh, or homosexuals. Because they just have, it's just like not in their nature. They know nothing about it. They, don't even, they, they can't even fathom that there is nuance behind it Sorry. yeah and, and no that's all right and um, it becomes because it becomes a plot device you know that's the thing so to serve the the end game of cersei blowing marjorie up and by extension the rest of the tyrells then loris's queerness had to become a plot device which meant that as a character he had to become uh like a one-dimensional siphon for a weak effeminate gay um and that's not who Loris is in the books, you know? Like, I'm sure that those people exist, but that's not who his character is or was. Uh, George R. R. Martin's own producer said that she did not like the... Oh, what was the term? It was the gay cartoon that they had turned mm. Loris into. You know, oh. her, her, his own book agent said that Loris became a gay cartoon in the show. Um, and I think that's that's exactly right. And it's interesting, you know, before what you were saying about uh, their their misunderstanding about politics because number one if you're a celebrity and you have a platform yes you've got a platform so you you're it's like your duty to use it because so many people don't have that and number two like we've got a um a political party in uh in australia called one nation they're very very far right like extreme right and their slogan to appeal to like the working class is people before politics. And I just think that is yeah. such a bullshit slogan because such people are politics. It's all the same. Like politics yeah. directly influence the people. So, so Dan and Dave, they can't separate characters from politics no, because character motivation is political. Like you fools. Oh, they're just fools. And so, yes, yeah. you're, and, you're like, and being apolitical is very, very political. It's very political. You cannot, Everything that you do is political. If you portray uh, gay people in a certain way, that's political. Even if you if you ignore the complexity of uh, of same sex uh, attraction and you just and you choose and you say, nah, nah I don't want to get into that. I don't want to be political. This is very political because you're going to the stereotypes uh, which have been here for a long time. This is true of women and uh, whatever. It's Whatever marginalized group uh, you talk about, it's going to be, and, and this is, <laughs> this is, uh, I, I don't want it to be too partisan, not political, whatever, this uh, conversation you were mentioning, uh, the far right uh, Australian party, but this is, 
a very common right-wing shtick. Left-wing is politics for them. And what they do, this is now, this is just uh, love yeah. of a country, nation, whatever. Now we're not being political. The left-wing is always political. They are just, yeah, you're doing the thumbs down. Oh, yeah, so this is bad. just a right-wing shtick all the time. No, we don't want to be political. This is the, because the left-wing is always the, the political ones because we like it that Arabs are whatever, lower-class uh, citizens. So, hey, why, why do you want to bum us out with your political uh, talk about equal rights and against racism? Come on, chill. Let's not be political. It's just so ironic that they can uh, perpetuate the idea that democracy is is an establishment elite i'm like no no like it's the opposite of that but yes like you're right it anything any political representation even claiming a politicism is political and they have made purposeful choices with the representation of lgbt iq a plus characters um mm. from the from from the books to the show that have been very telling. You know, like queer representation in the early 1990s when George started writing these books was far less, let's not say advanced, but far less progressive than it is now and sure. far less widespread. And yet George himself said, you know, I looked around the world I was in, I saw that gay people exist in it, and so I wanted to put them in my book. But if, you know, I'm talking about like the, the weak transition from, say, for example, Asha, who isn't gay, to Yara, who is, because she doesn't fit a gender stereotype mold. But then there are also same-sex uh, sex scenes with both Cersei and Daenerys. Um, Cersei sleeps right, with one of her... Daenerys. I don't remember. Ah, Cersei also. Right. Okay, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so in the books, um, uh, after Drogo dies, uh, Daenerys sleeps with her handmaid, Eri, and... yeah. It's it's quite. This could be. This is a, a me too moment. She's sleeping with her slave, pretty much, and it's quite an uncomfortable encounter for both of them because Daenerys knows that her handmaid is doing it because she's been told to. She's doing it out of duty. It's just a service. It's like going to get her a glass of wine, going down on her. It's what she's asked me to do. Okay, um, and then as soon as it's done, Eri falls asleep, and Daenerys feels really like hollow and like she's sort of exploited this woman, um, and she's not sexually mm -hmm. satisfied by it. In the other mm -hmm. one, where um, Cersei sleeps uh, sleeps with Tana of Mere, who is like her uh, little bedmaid just in the court. Yeah, because, like you know, a in, confidant. Yeah, because in season seven of eight of the show, there was no court. The court was Kyburn and the mountain and Cersei. But there actually was a court, obviously. And, um, obviously. and so Tana of Mere was one of her like confidants and they sleep together. And it's... Tana seems to get a lot out of the sexual encounter. So it's implied that Tana, even though she's married, is uh, how we would understand a lesbian. You know, she is very attracted to Cersei. Um, but Cersei is doing it to try and fulfill the role of Robert. And she's trying to be the aggressor and be the man who always dominated her physically. Oh. And then she talks about, you know, because... of because Robert um, got uh, gored by the boar, she talks about like ripping Tana of Mir literally in half through the inside um, with boar tusks. You know, like that's what she's imagining while while this encounter is happening. And again, Cersei doesn't get much out of it. She refers to um, to Tana's vagina as like a mirish swamp or something like that. Like she's not really into it. <laughs> um, but both of those scenes were cut from the show. So we have mm. 
we, I mean, and, and I understand, you know, they were about mm. relatively minor characters, but we have a character in the books who is explicitly not gay, who's had multiple male lovers become gay on screen. And then we have our two, what, you know, what the show made more major characters, you know, as opposed to side characters. And they don't have that same representation. They don't have that same complexity of their own sexualities. I think it's really interesting. Obviously, Cersei yeah. sleeps with Jamie, But to explore how people in positions of power get to experiment with sexuality because they're above normative codes and how people on the ground actually are often have to be more hyper moral i think that's really interesting yeah. and, and that was just completely obliterated that is very you know, by the show and, and there's other true, ca- was true then and it's still true now well yeah absolutely right and that that would be a far more like appropriate analogy to draw with a, a contemporary parallel than oh well yeah. you know the, like gay rock stars are... or whatever who are trying all sorts of stuff Right, as opposed to, well, gay people are being, you know, mass persecuted in Uganda or in Chechnya today, so let's just put that into Game of Thrones, when it doesn't really fit at all. Um, And then there's other characters too, you know, so there's John Connington, who, uh, you know, is implied to be gay and was in love with Prince Rhaegar. Like, there are a lot of um, characters in the books who have a... Other characters have an awareness of their sexuality in a way that I think would have been socially known at the time if not accepted or if not understood the way that we understand it as a, as a sexual identity but they are present in the books and they're sexually active and they're also whole rounded characters which they just aren't yeah. in the show the only other um you know examples yeah. i can think of are um ilaria and uh oberin who are um very hyper sexualized and Oberyn doesn't actually get to have any sex with men he just has a mild flirtation with Olivar um and then Olivar himself is also not a rounded character either he's just a plot siphon who is hypersexual and it's like if you are if you're same sex attracted you seem to just fit into one of these categories of base gender normative stereotype or and or plot function who is hypersexualized and that's it for the show and i was hoping to have this conversation be more balanced i was hoping to say well you know i didn't really like what they did with loris but i thought this representation was really good but when i started writing down what i wanted to say and when i started looking at the books to the show i was like wow like i literally have nothing redeeming to say about no, what they did i don't think we should be redeeming it anyways because it's not because it's not an isolated case we're talking about uh, same-sex attraction but we could be talking about uh, any other group and, and and it's the same way. It's like whatever, Brienne, tougher than whatever, Stone, just like this iron woman. Uh, Jamie leaves her after uh, one night they have sex and she's like turning into this weeping woman. Please stay, stay. What the fuck is that? What the fuck that is that? Horrible. What, what have you done to, to her? This was just like totally un, unbelievable. And it was just like... Also, like the hypersexualization is just—it's—it's it's like teenagers. I—I I thought that like the, like the first uh, scenes of uh, the first scene of the first episode of the last season, when there were there's this parade right going into Winterfell with uh, Daenerys and Jon. You should consider yourself lucky. At least your balls won't freeze off. You take great offense at dwarf jokes, but love telling eunuch jokes. Why is that? Because I have balls, and you don't. Ha 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 ha! This you had a year 
to write dialogues. This is what this is the best that you can come up with as as the opening dialogue of your last season. And I think what the biggest irony there is that the, the as you said, you know, about Brienne in particular, but also just the cheap, cheap Tyrion Varys jibes. They claim that what they care about is character, not politics, not story, not world building character. And yet they decimate the yeah. characters to that degree, yeah. right? Like they like yeah. But yeah. Daenerys and Tyrion in particular were just uh, and 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 Brienne were just sh- and Jamie, in fact, all of them. They were just and Cersei at the end. Also, she becomes like a weak woman. Please, Jamie, save me, Jamie. Oh my but god! Was, the bit where she was like, was "Look at this." Oh, can, can, compare that to season two, Cersei, when she's sitting there, literally ready yeah. to feed her son suicide pills to yeah. stop them from getting captured, and then the, yeah. to, to this whole like, not like this. I was like, what is that? That's not Cersei Lannister. Yeah. She would have gone down yeah. swinging, man. What are you talking about? Oh, it made me sick. Yeah, she doesn't care anymore. She doesn't care anymore. Yeah, she would have. If she oh. was defeated, it would have been fighting. You know, like she would. And have also, been- Daenerys also getting becoming crazy. That's also a trope of the, whatever the crazy woman. And they were implying in their uh, behind the scenes stuff that it was because uh, John didn't want to sleep with her. So it's just like it's not it's it's not intentional in in, uh, in the sense that that they know what they're doing. But this is just just two guys who don't have a lot of insight about the world and about life and are not very interesting. So they just go, so when they don't have anything specific to go by, they just, uh, when they use their own stuff, it's just just very, very shallow and childish. Yeah, they just reduce the, you know, the um, motivations to like save by the bell. It's like, oh, I'll burn down the school because my boyfriend doesn't want to have sex with me. It's like, okay, then, well, all right. But, uh, but again, it, as you say, it's there, th- therefore the representation of um, uh, of gay people in particular, or of, you know, a th- there's a lot of racism problems in Game of Thrones as well. Like, you know, brown people seem to be pretty homogenous, except for um, Missandei and Grey Worm. Um, the the white savior thing at the end of season three with Misa was really uncomfortable. Yeah, that's all, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was, was yeah, that wasn't cool. But like, there's a lot of uh times where i think they are i don't think they're intentionally insensitive but very narrow in their understanding and i think obviously as a as a gay person myself and having a um you know a film and tv studies undergraduate degree and doing my masters in film and tv like i watch representative analysis with quite a critical eye and it just it just left me quite cold because I could see that it was it was formulaic and it was to serve a purpose of another story's plot. So gay characters just for people who claim to care about characters so much, gay characters just yeah. got so reduced and it was very um it was very unpleasant. Particularly in the context of a show that in so many other aspects in its early seasons exactly. was so high quality and exactly. they had it from the books to draw on i could forgive it if george himself had yeah. written you know piss weak gay characters or if because... it was just a rom-com and there were it was something you know that that's fine okay that's this genre but but here it was something else it was something else it's uh yeah, and they had something different to adapt from, you know. Like 
they have Cersei and Daenerys same-sex sex scenes. They have yeah. uh, like a, yeah. a cool character in Loras, a cool character in John Connington. Um, there's even a trans character in the books. Um, huh? And yeah. I, are they are like Patch Patches or Patch Patchface? Patchface um, is trans. He's the guy like ground. Yeah, it's like um, or or actually trans is not right. Sorry, intersex. Um, like there's kind of like a or a hint that like there could be. Uh, like some sort of gender fluidity there. Um, I'm pretty okay. sure. I'd have to go back again and double check, but I'm pretty sure there's like there's a lot of representative possibilities that the show just yeah. shit on, and they just reduced it to to Loris, Yara, Ilaria, Oliver, and Oberyn, and they were all not good. I mean, actually. Of yeah. every character, who, like we should really have seen season seven and eight coming because Alaria was the first character to get really decimated when it went from uh, book to screen. Like they, sh- oh. Alaria in season five, I was like, wow, what is this person? I have to bad. reread it. And she- you know, just just for people who maybe are now listening and thinking that maybe this is being overly sensitive or politically correct. So recently. I've watched. Did you watch? Uh, have you watched the last um, uh, roast uh, with uh, Caitlyn Jenner? It was oh, uh, no. Alec Baldwin roast. No, I maybe have to rewatch it because uh, I watched it uh, uh, during the night of the Israeli elections here with a friend and my sister as we were so tense waiting for the real time results. So for us, it was just an exhilarating experience, also to just to be able to laugh, but. They were making so much fun of Kaylin Jenner, and I was telling my friend, the, 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 uh, the friend that was with, with me, she was she's always uh, uh, bitching about the political correctness, and I was telling her, "Look at that! They they are making fun of everything about her, but because the context and the setting, we know that they're not trying to really hurt her feelings in mm-hmm. this setting, in this context." She knows what she's getting into. We know what we're getting into. And in this context, the, there's no malicious intent. So everything is fair game in that sense. And they were saying whatever. It was horrible things. But in this setting, it's fine. Obviously, if you go into, if you're, if you, if you're a trans woman and you're going into a roast, you know that they're going to make fun uh, of that. Is, otherwise, you can just stay away and that's fine. Sure, so, sure. So, so in that way... Uh, 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 we didn't know what we were getting into with Game of Thrones, the final seasons. And it just, uh, whatever, they jumped on us and we weren't ready. If you're watching a silly comedy or something, then it's fine. This guy is a cliche. This woman is a cliche. Okay, this is a different kind of movie that you know what you're getting into. Yeah, and I mean, I think you're right. Like, there may be people listening who think this is very, you know, like, oversensitive analysis and it was still a great show and blah, 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 which I don't necessarily disagree with. Parts of it were great. Yeah. Um, and I haven't said anything kind particularly, but I th- <laughs> I think... I think that I think th- I think they received the enough praise for uh, a, a thousand lifetimes. Okay. A lot, of, Yeah, and a lot of it was pretty undeserved praise as well. But, yeah. I mean, I, th- I, I think the problem is that words like problematic or troubling or you know a lot of terms that are thrown around now are used very oversensitively and very out of context you know i, I did you see um it chapter two it no i hate horror movies i don't want oh okay okay so at the start of that movie there's That's a gay couple 
Um, there's a gay couple who are killed in the first five minutes. Um, they get gay bashed and then they get thrown off the river and then Pennywise is like staring at them from, you know, behind the bridge or whatever. And I read this review that was like, oh, you know, that just shouldn't have happened. We shouldn't have had to see that on screen. Like, you know, it's just so homophobic, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, absolutely not. Like, it's so important to represent gay bashing because it happens and it's real. And yes, they were side characters who didn't contribute to the story and got thrown away in a minute. But it was really graphic and visceral and necessary so um, i don't think that you know uh in like a uh in an over politically correct sense any representation of a gay person that is not um idealized is what i'm looking for and i think it's an important question to think well what are we looking for from our representation then but what i would have hoped for from game of thrones was some of the wholeness that we saw especially considering that season six well, season seven and eight, and to a lesser degree, six, they fell off the rails because, as you say, we didn't know what we were getting in for um, because they had nothing to adapt from, and so therefore they had nothing to say. But the poor representation of Yara and Loris was happening when they were still adapting from book material, and therefore there is no excuse because it was happening. No excuse. It- Inside really well-written episodes. You know, there were really well-written episodes, like season three in particular, with lots of action. You know, it cut from that scene with Loras and Sansa talking to the next scene where Cersei and Tyrion were talking about how Cersei was going to marry Loras and Tyrion was going to marry Sansa and which one of them was going to tell her and what it was going to mean politically and how they were undermining the Tyrells. And it was a really well-written scene and it was uh, manipulative and um, it was clever and insightful and character-driven. And yet, one scene before that, the same writer had done this bullshit, Loris is a queer joke thing. And I was just like, you don't have to do this. You're still adapting from books with uh, interesting queer characters to draw from. And other aspects of the show can be and have been great. So I don't know why. It's it's just, it's it's just blunt. Yeah, it's an action. It's not, uh, not just like you forgot. It's like there is something. Written, I'm sure. I'm sure they read every episode, every chapter, whatever, a hundred times. And they have to make an active decision. We're gonna change. Yeah, it didn't this just happen into that. It's not an accident. They have to do something very deliberate when they have to choose what uh, what are the writing, how they adapt this or that scene. Okay. Yeah, and you've got to okay. think, what does that mean? Like the bludgeoning you over the head with the idea that he's gay. It's like we know that he slept with Renly and he's grieving. We know that Yara is non-gender conforming in her demeanor. So why does that have to mean she's a lesbian? Like, it, it's yeah. just the decisions that they make are, are very um, ham-fisted, I think. It's also bad writing. It's just boring. Yeah, agreed. Just going through these routes. Like, why not make it interesting? Why not change things up? And why not why? show some more, like, medieval accuracy? You know, I would really have been about understanding that and not our world transposed into medieval times yeah, with dragons yeah, yeah. you know what i mean like i think that would have been you, cool you know in in loris's case so that marjorie can be a strong woman you have to be a weak man and it serves even better that you're a weak man because you're gay and gay men are weak and i was just like this is so yuck like you could have a weak gay man but you need to have a spectrum and they didn't do that or you could have you know like a like yara had to be a warrior gay woman because that and it was just it was just so as yeah. you said lazy and you're right like yeah. the wire it was much more nuanced and the books of game of thrones are much more nuanced and i yeah, yeah. really feel sorry for george <laughs> to be honest yeah and, and 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 let's let's again focus on the writing and not on the on the political if you write a story about a couple if you let's say just an example you want to make it interesting 
So you have to do it fresh. If you tell the exact same story, the exact same characters that people have been talking, the exact same couple dynamics about, I don't know, a bitchy woman who tells the guy what to do or whatever, stuff like that, then it's just, it's just not interesting. So just tell a different story. We've heard, we've seen the story about weak women and weak, and weak gay men and all and, and whatever, uh, aggressive uh, gay women. Just try to, to tell an interesting story because also this is a very interesting story regardless. But just as a yeah, writer, never, why it, would you approach a character and just like, make it, you know what, I'm going to make it the exact same character that everybody's uh, seen and read uh, a thousand times. And they claim it to be, that's the, again, they claim it to be character driven, but it isn't because your yeah, characters are no. so base. And it's funny, you were saying before about that line with Tyrion and Varys where it was so weak just on the, on the subject of the writing. You know, there's a bit where Yara meets Daenerys and she says, oh, you know, Euron is coming to offer you his hand yeah, in marriage. Yeah. And Daenerys kind of jokes because she knows that, that Yara aspires to be queen of the Iron Islands. And she says, oh, I assume you're not offering your hand in marriage. And, um, or, you know, something to that effect, like you don't have to offer your hand to get my, you know, uh, alliance or whatever. And then Yara's like, oh, well, you know, I don't demand it, but nothing's off the table or I'm open to anything. And I was like, that's just such a bullshit line. Like, even if you two were both same-sex attracted women, you'd still both have to marry men and you'd still both have to have babies in that world. You know, it's just such a, a lazy wink to our current audience. Yeah. And I just think that is so cheap. Um, yeah. I just, yeah, I didn't... I, there's a yeah, lot a of things... A lazy wink to a lazy way, uh, to, to a lazy current way of thinking. <laughs> it's just yes, like... that, that's right. And it just... It just left a sour taste in my mouth and the worst part is it really every time it happened it really pulled me out of the world you know because it it wasn't it it wasn't congruous with how those people in that world would have been or acted or behaved or spoken regardless of who they were sexually attracted to um and which left it disappointing that's very very true you know it's like oh it's not a pin it's a brooch fuck off like he doesn't care about that. <laughs> it's just nonsense. <laughs> okay, John, I think this was great, even though now I'm, I'm going to step away from this very angry and upset. Sorry about Still. that. <laughs> John, that was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Did you have fun? A lot of fun. Thank you so much again. Even though you don't like no, me thanking thank you. you. Thank you. No. <laughs> thank you. You're always thanking me and saying that you're sorry. <laughs> so yeah. This is very British of you. This That's is, true. This, yeah, I couldn't decipher your accent, but I could decipher your manners. <laughs> yeah, after, after 10 years in Australia, I still thank you and sorry all the time. So, yeah, and, and for, for no good reason. And uh, so uh, if you've listened up to now, uh, make sure you follow the podcast, uh, either on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you caught it and maybe share it with your friends. You want to support uh, my work you can go to godacademy to patreon.com slash godacademy and become a patron and if you have something cool uh, to share with people then uh, join our community and uh, let me know and we'll set it up we'll set it up uh, so thank you John my pleasure thank and you and as we said uh, off, uh, offline uh, we'll do it again look forward to it yes me too uh, so uh, thank you everybody for tuning in See you all next time. Bye-bye. See you.